A Toronto police officer charged in the death of a Brampton teen. Tonight, the altercation two years ago and the allegations a young man lost his life because of it. Good evening. Chad Facey was 19 years old when he died in 2021. His death following an altercation with two off-duty police officers. Tonight, one of them is charged with manslaughter. CTV Sean Lethong joins us now live with the details. Sean. Well, Zoraida and Michelle, the family of Chad Facey has been waiting a long time for justice. It's been a year and a half since he died. They say this is a step closer. 19-year-old Chad Facey died following an altercation with two off-duty Toronto police officers. Now one of them is facing criminal charges. The Special Investigations Unit releasing a statement today saying 33-year-old Constable Calvin All has been charged with manslaughter and aggravated assault. Facey was known for his music with a stage name DPA Face. His mother, Faye Fagan, today releasing a statement through a lawyer saying... It has been clear to our family that there was some kind of misconduct that had occurred in respect of Chad's death. We are happy to finally see that the officer is being held accountable for his actions. It was the afternoon of April 26, 2021, near the intersection of Highway 50 and Bell Chase Trail at the border of Brampton and Vaughan. Toronto police documents say Facey was selling an Apple watch on Kijiji with two off-duty police officers being his customers. Toronto police tribunal documents say that at some point, PC Al exited a vehicle and began to pursue the male on foot, eventually catching up with him. PC Germak Benning directed the male to give him back his money. PC Benning reached for the money, and PC Al took the man to the ground. According to the documents, the altercation continued. Then the two officers ran to a nearby car. Facey was taken to hospital, where he later died. Peel police tracked down the two officers using Facey's cell phone. Toronto police were not informed of the incident until August of 2021, which is when the SIU was notified. With charges announced today, Asha James, a lawyer for the family, said in a statement, This represents an important first step for the family in understanding what happened to Chad and... It is a clear message that whether on duty or off duty, police are not immune from being held accountable for their wrongful conduct. While Constable Ah is facing criminal charges, police say both officers will face a police tribunal after the court case is finished. Toronto Police said in a statement, an investigation by the Services Professional Standards Investigation Unit into the events of April 26, 2021 and the conduct of Constable Ah and Constable Gurmak Benning, who does not face criminal charges, will resume. The findings of these investigations have been referred to prosecution services and now both officers will be before the police tribunal relating to allegations of serious misconduct. Now, Constable Ah had been with the Toronto Police Service for eight and a half years, most recently with 55 Division. According to Toronto Police, he's been uh, suspended effective immediately. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lethong's right. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Sean. Breaking news tonight regarding the fate of decades-old trees in downtown Toronto. An injunction stopping crews from cutting them down will end as of midnight. That decision coming down late this afternoon, clearing the way for removal work to continue, something Metrolink says needs to be done for the new Ontario lines. CTV's Mike Walker joins us live now with the update. Mike. Well, the ruling came down less than an hour ago after two full days of deliberation. And, the and it means the injunction will end at midnight and Metrolinks can go ahead with plans to remove a, a section of trees on the grounds at Osgoode Hall.
A temporary injunction preventing Metrolinx from removing trees at Osgood Hall for the construction of an Ontario Line subway station will end at midnight and not be extended, a Superior Court judge ruled. Uh, making initiatives to increase the transit is, well, sure, a good idea, but at, at what cost? There are better solutions if we're not rushing. Metrolink started removing trees on the property last weekend. The Law Society of Ontario was successful in getting a temporary injunction and wanted that extended. It had argued Metrolinx wasn't transparent about its plans and removing the trees will have irreparable harm to the heritage of the entire property. Metrolinx lawyers argued that the transit agency has done nothing wrong and this was never about trees. Rather, the Law Society didn't want a subway station located on its land. Metrolinx expropriated the southwest corner of the grounds this past November with its lawyers arguing today the expropriation of the land and plans had consent from the Heritage Minister and that the city has no jurisdiction over Metrolinx nor Crown land. The judge ruling the Ontario Heritage Act wouldn't be able to assist the Law Society in this case pushed ahead and um, and made a plan to, to cut down these trees without the adequate consultation. City Councillor Osma Malik wants Metrolinx to halt the tree removal and work with the city on options, including those detailed in a third-party report commissioned by the city, a motion City Council supported this week. It's about how do we protect the heritage, the precious public and green spaces that we have in our city while we build the transit that we need. Metrolink's lawyers argued the injunction has resulted in lost time on the work currently being done. They also told the court the trees were planted by the Law Society around the Second World War and would be replaced with a similar tree canopy. We'll, we'll be planting uh, tenfold, uh, whatever the trees are, are taken down. But it's all part of infrastructure, no matter where you go. Metrolinx has previously said it engaged with impacted communities, including the Law Society, to discuss the project over a two-year period. Neither Metrolinx or the Law Society have responded to this ruling just yet. Justice Hacklin said he'd be releasing his reasons over the next few days. Reporting live on Mike Walker, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Let's take a live look outside on this Friday night. And depending on where you are, you might be seeing some flurries or rain showers out your window. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at our forecast. There is some active weather right now, but we are looking at a nice weekend ahead. We really are, Michelle. Lots of sunshine for both Saturday and Sunday. We'll get to that in just a moment. But here is the current satellite and radar. And you can see the speckled uh, pockets of flurries that we have moving across the GTA. Not everywhere. In fact, there's a nice dry slot right now over downtown Toronto. But uh, on and off tonight, we're going to be dealing with that courtesy of some strong winds moving in off the lakes, gusting close to about 60 kilometers per hour at this time. As a result, the temperature starting to drop. We're at one degree in the city of Toronto. It feels colder than that. So bundle up if you do have to venture outside tonight. This is your evening forecast. We'll have a look at that sunny weekend weather forecast coming up. For now, Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. We turn now to vehicles stolen in the GTA, recovered half a world away. CTV News has been tracking the auto theft trade, and now York Regional Police have provided the latest example of just how far-reaching this crime really is. CTV's John Woodward joins us now live with the details. John. Zaretti, so you hear a lot about cars being stolen off driveways and sent overseas by organized criminals as the theft rates continue to surge. You don't hear a lot about them coming back to Canada, especially not from so far away. For this Canadian pickup truck, it's been a long journey back home. This video supplied by the York Regional Police shows stolen cars being driven off shipping containers 
back onto Canadian soil. Those vehicles are returned from Malta at that point, so they've been repatriated back to Canada. 64 vehicles in all valued at $3.5 million. The bust connected to the criminal syndicate that York Regional Police tackled in Project Majestic two years ago using high-tech tricks to steal cars. That investigation resulted in 170 charges against 18 people. 70 vehicles were recovered then, but others had already made it through Canadian ports overseas, where they were revined and disguised by organized criminals and sold across the world. It's very, very profitable. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vehicles that have made it their way to, uh, to other countries successfully. Including this one, which CTV News investigates, tracked from where it was stolen off an Ontario street all the way to Nigeria. And you sent me a picture of my car and oh, it blew my mind. As hard as it is to slip past authorities and get the cars out of Canada, there's a lot of paperwork to get them back. From finding these cars in Malta to returning them took almost a year and a half. It's a bit of an arduous process. A long wait to come back home. would have been paid out already through their insurance so but these cars once they're back in Canada can then be sold to recover for the insurance losses and those losses are huge we're talking about 64 cars today but the number of cars that are projected to be sold this year in Ontario alone are in the tens of thousands reporting live from York Regional Police Headquarters I'm John Woodward Michelle back to you thanks John Coming up, an audit of the accounting at City Hall raises concerns. What was revealed when the books were put under the microscope? New from Toronto Police tonight, detectives have arrested a man in connection with a fatal hit and run on the Danforth last week. 24-year-old Ryan Andrews has now been charged with first-degree murder. He is accused of striking and killing 25-year-old Gabriel Del Castillo Malali with his car. It happened just before 4 a.m. on February 5th near Danforth and Cedarvale Avenues. Andrews will appear in court on Thursday. One person was seriously hurt in an industrial accident in Brampton today. Emergency crews were called to the scene near Campkin Street and Mill Street. That's near Maine and Steeles. Police say an employee was hurt while working with machinery just before noon. The man was taken to hospital. His injuries considered life-threatening. Peel Region is set to receive $8 million from the federal government to help combat gun crime and gang violence. Everyone should be able to go out into their communities, go to work, take their kids to school or to daycare, uh, go about their daily lives without having to be worried about gun violence. Officials say the funding will support local initiatives that prevent gun and gang violence and help young people make good choices. Peel Region will distribute the funds to community-led projects for young people involved in gangs or at risk of joining them. Speeding vehicles continue to be a major concern in one Toronto neighborhood. The latest stats on automated speed camera tickets show Parkside Drive had the highest number. CTV's John Musselman joins us now live with those details. John. Well, Zoraida, as you'll remember, uh, this was the scene of a double fatal accident a year and a half ago, and residents here say the problem still exists. The posted speed limit on Parkside Drive has been reduced to 40 kilometers an hour, but residents who live in the area say motorists still go way too fast. I have noticed very little change, if any at all. It's very, very clear that in the southbound lanes of Parkside Drive, drivers are still speeding dangerously. But if it feels like you can go fast, people will go fast. 
that, I think that's generally understood. And the numbers appear to back that up. Speeding motorists are getting picked up by this camera. It's part of the city's automated speed enforcement program. Here's a look at the numbers. In December 2022, more than 1,800 tickets were issued, making Parkside Drive the highest ticketed street out of 56 locations. And since April 2022, more than 19,000 fines have been issued here. That represents 10% of speeding fines in the entire city. The street was the scene of a devastating crash 18 months ago that claimed the lives of two people. Police say the car was speeding when it slammed into the back of another vehicle. Local resident Faraz Golizada says Parkside Drive needs a redesign to slow motorists down. Very few traffic lights, downhill street, wide lanes, straight lanes. Everything about it promotes speed and that's what you're seeing on the street. Local city councillor Gord Perk says additional changes are coming to help reduce speeding and make this street safer for all users, including pedestrians and cyclists. We've put in one traffic light, have another one coming, and we built some sidewalk. In May, we're going to do our second round of consultation and, and come up with a final design to make the street have wider sidewalks, bike lanes, and just generally be safer all around. If you look at the ticketing data, um, it shows very, very clearly the city's making a ton of money off of this, uh, off of this camera. Um, and that it doesn't necessarily curtail dangerous driving behavior. The city says the speed enforcement cameras are located in areas where speed and collision challenges exist. And the residents we talked to said they don't object to these cameras. They say they can have an effect, but they say more needs to be done here. And as we noticed today, there was a lot of people going well over 65 kilometers an hour down this hill. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, John. Toronto police had to convince the driver of a truck to give up after a crash on Port Union Road. This was the scene this morning at around 6.30. Police say a truck smashed into a house and another vehicle. The driver of the truck tried to get away, but the vehicle got hung up in the driveway. One person was taken into custody. A 35-year-old man has been charged with impaired driving after a construction worker was struck by a car on Allen Road overnight. Nelson Jacob Lewis is also accused of carrying a concealed weapon. Police say a Volvo SUV was traveling south on Allen Road at about 12.45 a.m. when the driver lost control. The vehicle swerved into the shoulder and struck the construction worker before hitting a snowbank. The 38-year-old victim was taken to hospital with life-threatening injuries. And Toronto police are trying to identify this man suspected of attacking a girl in a hate-motivated incident on a TTC bus this week. Investigators say a suspect assaulted the victim and made a racial slur while on the 23 Dawes route near Main Station on Wednesday. He's described as approximately six feet tall with a medium build and tattoos on his face and hands. The case is being treated as a suspected hate-motivated offence. We have more revelations tonight over the use of tax dollars at Toronto City Hall. A report to be presented to councillors next week raises concerns about how municipal number crunchers are managing your money. CTV's Natalie Johnson reports. When a budget is in the billions, the accounting is arduous. But the firm hired to review City Hall's financial controls says there is room for better bookkeeping. Watching over the public's money and over the finances and resources of the city is tremendously important, not just to me as a councillor, but to every taxpayer. 
And so, uh, you know, I'd like to see those controls maximized. In a letter that will be presented to the Audit Committee next week, KPMG highlights control deficiencies within the city that it says are of sufficient importance to merit management's attention. The firm reports that in some cases, city staff did not have the appropriate level of accounting and finance knowledge to perform their job properly. Writing, the quality and timeliness of the information received by the Accounting Services Division is often erroneous, incomplete, and or untimely. The kind of uh, human capital that KPMG's and Arthur Anderson and other accounting firms attract, uh, that's the kind of cap human capital public sector entities cannot attract. There's a humongous difference in the, in, in the pay. The report also highlights inconsistencies and internal assumptions about future economic events like inflation, rates of return, and borrowing costs. And noted that the city has to manually consolidate the 80 workbooks of the city, its agencies and corporations in an inefficient process prone to human error. I would cut the city some slack. The design and conversion from paper to electronic is complicated and difficult. The city said in a statement it welcomes the KPMG findings, writing in all cases the city was already taking action to address issues and implement fixes. We continue to look for ways to improve our systems and processes in the service of Torontonians. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. At Queen's Park, the Premier is fighting back over allegations he breached the Integrity Act. It involves developers attending a private family event. And while he was cleared by the province's Integrity Commissioner, questions remain. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us live with the details. Siobhan. Well, Michelle, another Integrity Commissioner investigation into whether developers were tipped off early about coming changes to the Greenbelt. That one is still open. But those questions about the Premier, connections to developers and the Greenbelt, well, they're piling up. Wow, you know something? Okay, so I know hundreds of developers. The Premier clearly irritated by reporter questions about which developers he counts as friends. At issue, developers who may have attended the wedding and stag and doe of one of Doug Ford's four daughters. Nothing is more personal and private than your family. And uh, going to a, a stag is not unusual. I don't look down the checklist. We have an open door policy at our home. But the possible presence of developers has raised eyebrows against the backdrop of redrawn greenbelt boundaries. The government's been dogged by allegations developers got a heads up before changes were announced in the interest of building more homes. The government has denied tipping anyone off. I mean, it definitely doesn't look appropriate for the premier to be, you know, hosting a party like this where developers are coming and, you know, making financial contributions to the benefit of one of his family members. The premier defensive about the party's guest list. You know, I went to the integrity commissioner he cleared it 1,000%, not 999, 1,000%. The Integrity Commissioner's office says the Premier shared that developer guests who may have been at the wedding and stag and doe were friends of the Ford family, in some cases have been for decades, and that there was no sign of wrongdoing since the Premier had no knowledge of gifts given to his daughter and son-in-law, and there was no discussion of government business at either event. But the Premier's office didn't approach the Integrity Commissioner until late January, months after his daughter was married. For him to do it after the event, 
uh, I think is inappropriate. The premier doesn't see a problem. I know the difference of uh, what we should and shouldn't do. Our family's been in politics for 30 years. Over which the premier says he's met tens of thousands of people. And by the way, I have two more weddings coming up too, so we'll give you the list after that too. The NDP says tonight they'll be filing a new complaint with the Integrity Commissioner over all of this. The Auditor General is right now looking into the financial and environmental impacts of opening up the Greenbelt for development. The OPP says today that they are still examining whether or not their anti-rackets branch should launch an investigation. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Meanwhile, the province is partnering with the federal government on what is being described as Canada's largest battery storage project. And I'm pleased to announce that our government has directed Ontario's electricity system operator to enter into a 20-year contract with Oneida Energy Storage Project so that this new facility will support our clean electricity system for years to come. And it's so exciting. The project will store up to 250 megawatts of electricity during off-peak hours when demand is low and release it to the grid when needed. Officials say the province's energy resources will be more than doubled when the project comes online in 2025. The Six Nations of the Grand River First Nation has also invested in the project and will provide 97% of the construction workforce. It'll be located on Oshkowin, south of Brantford. We have exclusive details tonight regarding delays and service disruptions with the Up Express. Metrolink says it was due to an equipment issue, but we've learned the problem is potentially more serious. According to the Maintenance and Train Operators Union and confirmed by several sources, 14 of 18 train cars in the fleet have been taken out of service. This after thermal cracks were found in the vehicle brake discs. This leaves only two working trains for the whole line. A York University engineer says thermal cracks can be a major cause of braking failure. As soon as you cause a very little crack initiation in the structure, know that your subsequent loadings are going to cause these cracks to expand and grow, right? And that's where it gets dangerous. In a statement to CTV News Toronto, Metrolink says over the course of regular inspections this past weekend, hairline cracks were discovered in the brake discs on some of its Up Express trains. In the interest of safety, the affected trains were immediately removed from service and the rest of the fleet was inspected. Metrolink says the remaining trains have passed all safety inspections and they are doing everything they can to get the affected trains safely back into service as soon as possible. The Canadian economy smashed expectations last month. 150,000 jobs were added. Wholesale and retail trade posted the largest gains. They added 59,000 jobs. Healthcare and social assistance were also strong, adding 40,000 jobs. Most of the positions were full-time, with 25 to 54-year-olds driving the gains. The jobless rate held steady at 5%, just a decimal point higher than the record low. A funeral will be held next week for one of the two children killed when a bus crashed into a Laval daycare. A service will be held for four-year-old Jacob Gauthier on Thursday. The identity of the other child has not been made public. The community north of Montreal is grieving as it tries to understand how such a terrible tragedy could happen. Today, a special mass was held. I just want to, uh, to uh, go and... Uh, pray for those uh, people who are uh, in pain. 
A few hundred people attended the mass for the children, their families and the daycare staff. Last night, a candlelight vigil was also held. The bus driver has been charged with first-degree murder, attempted murder and aggravated assault. The confirmed death toll in Turkey and Syria is now more than 23,700 following this week's devastating earthquakes. Rescue efforts continue four days after the quake struck and some survivors are still being pulled from the ruins. CTV's Tom Walters reports. After more than 100 hours, buried under a crush of concrete and twisted metal, the hand of a 10-year-old boy reaches out for help. Life is somehow emerging from the depths of the debris in multiple cities across southern Turkey today. Rescue crews play a 15-year-old girl's favorite song as she appears amidst the rubble. A worker wraps his supportive arms around her. As they dig further into more dangerous territory, the most vulnerable of survivors is discovered. A wide-eyed 10-day-old baby is lifted and carried to safety. Then an eight-year-old girl is discovered. Rescue operations from around the world now have boots on the ground in Turkey, including a team from Burnaby, B.C., who helped rescue another young girl today. It's a good feeling, obviously. Um, you know, we're all firefighters by trade, so we're already in the business of helping people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's emotional. The, the, the people here, the streets are lined with families of missing people that are missing that are in the building. From the time news of the earthquake hit Canada, it took Ryan Berry and his team just 36 hours to arrive and add their experienced hands to the desperate search for survivors. Very fortunate to live where we do. Uh, and when we see stuff like this uh, in other countries, uh, we want to help and give back. Years of civil war have made helping in northern Syria more difficult. But even there today, celebrations erupted as a family is discovered alive. Chants of God is great echo through a crowd as another survivor is loaded into an ambulance. It is still clear, though, that this nightmare is far from over for hundreds of thousands, with the true scale of this humanitarian crisis just beginning to come into focus. As urgent as this work is, at regular intervals, it stops. There is a hush, equipment is shut off. As rescuers shout into the debris and listen, for what might be the faintest of replies. The question that lingers, though, is how many voices are still there to be heard. Tom Walters, CTV News, Adiaman, Turkey. Russia struck power facilities across Ukraine today in yet another attack on civilian infrastructure. Ukraine said 61 of 71 Russian missiles were shot down. The Kremlin has repeatedly launched such strikes from the front lines, leaving millions of people without power, heat or water for days at a time in winter. The latest attacks came as Ukrainian officials said a long-awaited Russian offensive was underway in the east. Ukraine's president has told a summit of sports officials from 36 countries that Russian athletes have no place at next year's Paris Olympics. If representatives of a terrorist state appear at international sports competitions or the Olympic Games, will it matter if they are there without their national symbols? The mere presence of representatives of the terrorist state is a manifestation of violence and lawlessness. 
The International Olympic Committee insists it would be discriminatory under its charter to exclude Russia and ally Belarus. The IOC says the athletes should be allowed to compete as neutrals without national symbols. Canada's Minister of Sport attended the summit and expressed support for the ban. He says Canada's position is clear. Russian and Belarusian athletes must be banned from the 2024 Olympic Games. I have reiterated this to my international counterparts and to the president. Let's stand in solidarity with Ukraine. A U.S. fighter jet shot down an unknown object off the coast of Alaska today, not far from the Canadian border. We're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. Uh, we do not know who owns it. Uh, whether it's a whether it's state owned or, or or corporate owned or privately owned, we just don't know. This comes six days after the U.S. shot down a Chinese spy balloon out of the sky. This time, the object was taken down over the frozen Arctic Ocean. It was the size of a small car and did not appear to have the ability to maneuver. The object was at an altitude of 40,000 feet and deemed a threat to civilian aircraft. The Canadian government supported the decision to take action. The object was shot down hours after Canada's defense minister met with her American counterpart at the Pentagon. Anita Anand spoke about Canada's response to that Chinese balloon last week. We were, as I mentioned, examining the trajectory and analyzing the balloon, including the height of the balloon and the contents of the balloon, and determined that it posed no imminent risk to Canadians at all. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin thanked Canada for its help in tracking the Chinese balloon. It's still unclear what intelligence Beijing managed to collect before the balloon was taken down. Anand says the an analysis of the balloon and its contents is being done by the U.S. and Canada is not part of that. Coming up, have you managed to find a special coin in your pocket change yet. Coin collectors in a frenzy looking to get their hands on the black ringed coin commemorating the late queen. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up, it's Feedback Friday. More viewers tell us they've also had their sunroof shatter for no apparent reason. Others are shocked to learn they have liens on their homes because of rental contracts. And more people lose huge amounts of money in investment scams. Feedback is just ahead. Some nice weather here at home this weekend and some pretty great conditions expected in Arizona for Super Bowl Sunday. Here's the kickoff forecast for Glendale. Conditions going to be comfortably cooler into the night. Locally, we're going to be pretty mild for the next seven days. Your forecast is coming up next and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. We had a lot of reaction to our stories of men who lost $500,000 in an investment scam, as well as people who were shocked to find out they have liens on their homes. And after our report this week on a woman who had the sunroof shatter in her SUV, others say the same thing has happened to them. Here's Pat Foran with Feedback Friday. Pat. Zoraida and Michelle, sunroof shattering may be more common than many people realize. Transport Canada says it's happened more than 800 times over the past decade. And other viewers told us it's also recently happened to them. Megan Maloney was driving on the 401 in her two-month-old 2023 Nissan Rogue when the sunroof shattered. When you hear an explosion like that and you're not expecting it, um, it is quite shocking. 
Almost 600 sunroofs burst into pieces between 2016 and 2020. Transport Canada says it's usually caused by impact damage and not a manufacturer's defect. Nick sent us a photo of his fractured sunroof and said, My sunroof also shattered unexpectedly as I drove on the QEW a few months ago. Gave me quite a scare. Kara Santoki recently bought her dream home and was aware it came with rental contracts for the water heater and air conditioner. But she was shocked to find out there was a lien on her home and buying out the contracts would cost $17,000. I was flabbergasted. Rob wrote, I'm 70 years old and was deceived into signing a water heater contract. The buyout is $15,000 and a lien has been placed on my home. It's hard enough for many people to pay for their groceries, but a CTV viewer offered this advice to not get distracted at the grocery store. Phil told us, Two of my neighbors just had their wallets stolen while grocery shopping. Advise your viewers not to leave purses unattended in shopping carts. I got conned. Stephen Carr found a company online that said he could make money trading commodities and cryptocurrencies. He started off with a small investment, but later decided to hand over his entire retirement portfolio of almost $500,000. He lost it all. I'm devastated. Um, I'm in the process of um, having to sell my house. John said, I feel bad that man lost his retirement savings. I know it can happen. I was just duped out of $107,000 in a gold mine scam. And with Valentine's Day approaching, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says scammers are now combining the romance scam with other investment scams as they try to squeeze even more money out of victims. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Well, we made it to Friday. Not the most perfect day weather-wise, but compared to all the rain, it was kind of a bit of a reprieve at moments. Yeah, it was nice today, but I fear that if we see sunshine this weekend, it also means colder weather, because it's almost like the two go hand in hand. It's interesting. You would think that. And Saturday, so tomorrow, we are going to get a relatively cooler weather, but Sunday, we're going to have sun, and we're going to have above seasonal temperatures. As we make our way through the weekend, yeah, it's going to progressively get mild, and then there's one day next week where our temperature could climb into the double digits. Let's take you through the forecast. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Of course, with all this mild uh, and wet weather that we've had recently, we're keeping a very close eye on ice levels across the lower Great Lakes and specifically on the Great Lakes. Earlier this week, we showed you that ice coverage was about 20% total. It has now gone down to about 10% once again. And I know that weekends are big for winter outdoor enthusiasts to want to get outside, maybe do some skating on what once was a frozen pond. Here's a couple of tips to keep in mind for safety as we make our way into this weekend. And I would encourage you to assume at this point that all ice is unsafe ice just because of the amount of melting that's been happening. We do have some wet flurries falling in many different parts of southern Ontario at this hour. Depending on where you are, you might be seeing nothing at all outside your window or you might be seeing some reduced visibility as a result of this. We're not expecting uh, any 
accumulating snow necessarily. Gone is the low pressure system that brought us all the rain. It's been bringing snow to parts of Atlantic Canada today. And as we make our way through the next couple of days, high pressure is going to settle in. So we're really not looking at much in the way of active weather until mid to the end of next week. And I'll show you that in the seven day forecast. Overnight tonight, it is still possible that a couple of streamers of lake light lake effect snow will be extending toward us here in the GTA. Then tomorrow, here's midday. Possible that there could be a little bit of cloud cover in the morning. It lifts into the afternoon. Sunday, a mostly sunny day for much of the GTA with a couple of exceptions around Barrie over toward Peterborough and then areas north and east of that. Little more in the way of cloud cover. Here's tonight's low. Eventually we slip to about minus six degrees, wind chill minus 10. So bundle up if you are planning to venture outside. There's tomorrow. Again, we're close to the freezing mark. Our weather pattern over the next little while does show uh, mild conditions persisting, especially as we make our way into Tuesday and Wednesday. Then there are signs of some slightly cooler air returning by about next weekend. So here is your seven day forecast. Enjoy the sunshine. Cloud cover returns by Monday, seven degrees on Tuesday. Temperature close to about 10 on Wednesday, but periods of rain through the day on Thursday, maybe a cool down by Friday and into Saturday of next weekend. That's your look at the weather. Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Coming up, the biggest night in football, just two sleeps away. The parties, the predictions, and the two quarterbacks will be making history on game night. We are just days away from the 57th Super Bowl, and the countdown is on. The Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. You dream about it as a little kid when you're watching that Super Bowl parties and with your, with your dad and your mom. You get families and kids that save up all that money just to go to that one game. You definitely want to put on a show for them when they come. And history will be made. Eagles and Chiefs quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts will be the first two black starting QBs to lead their teams at the Super Bowl. Mahomes has also been named the NFL's most valuable player. Fans are also eager for the highly anticipated halftime performance by Rihanna. Earlier today, we spoke to TSN's Farhan Lalji, who is in Glendale, Arizona. I, I think it's going to be a, a tremendous matchup going into this game. You've got two really high-profile quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes, who just won the MVP, and Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, who has had a fantastic story in his second year as a starter, had some MVP votes himself before he got hurt. So there's going to be a lot of focus on them. But, you know, you've got two real complete teams, and defensively, I think that's probably where Philadelphia separates itself. You know, they uh, registered 78 quarterback sacks between the regular season and the playoffs. That's four off a league record. They're defensively so good they know how to get after the passer you've got Patrick Mahomes who's not going to be 100% because he's got that high ankle sprain yeah he's had the last couple of weeks to get even more healthy but probably not his full self so can they handle that defense can he run around and still do enough to make some plays because I think if you took Mahomes out of it I think the Eagles are better at virtually every other position and that might give them the edge on Sunday. And you can watch the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57 live from Glendale, Arizona, this Sunday at 6.30 p.m. on CTV. Pre-game coverage starts at noon. And while the Super Bowl will be the main show, another beloved event is making its return. Now in its 19th year, the Puppy Bowl will feature 122 rescue puppies from 67 shelters across the U.S. You can catch the action on our Bell Media sister station, Animal Planet, and at ctv.ca and the CTV app at 2 p.m. on Sunday. 
And a big part of the Super Bowl, of course, are the ads. We have a sneak peek of one that salutes Canada. Today, let's thank Canada. Thank you for legends of music and heroes of comedy. Thank you, Canada, for peanut butter, the paint roller, the replay, and the battery. That's Dave Grohl, lead singer of the Foo Fighters, thanking Canada for all its contributions to the world. The commercial for Crown Royal goes on to credit our country for the ironing board, the electric wheelchair, and of course hockey and even football. He says, look it up. No doubt with a glass of Crown Royal. Tell me more, tell me more. One chord's all that you need. Tell me more, tell me more. Don't you worry about speed. John Travolta goes back to his Greece roots for a Super Bowl ad with Zach Braff and Donald Faison. The trio sing their own version of Summer Nights in a T-Mobile commercial that paid tribute to Travolta's late co-star Olivia Newton-John, who passed away six months ago. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Promising predictions for the GTA housing market. Just ahead, what the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board is saying about home prices and the outlook for buyers. Updating our top stories, a Toronto police officer has been charged with manslaughter in connection with the death of 19-year-old Chad Facey. The teen died in April of 2021 following an altercation with Constable Calvin O and another off-duty police officer. It's a bit of an arduous process. York police have provided new details of just how far the auto theft trade can reach. 64 vehicles valued at $3.5 million were recovered in the Republic of Malta and returned to Canada. There are better solutions if we're not rushing. And Metrolinx has been given the green light to cut down historic trees outside of Osgood Hall. The Law Society of Ontario has been fighting their removal, arguing that they are a part of the city's heritage. Metrolink says this move is to make room for a planned stop on the new Ontario line. Remember to follow us on social media and keep up to date day and night through our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. On the markets, the Canadian dollar gained 65 basis points to 74.94 U.S. American benchmark oil rose $1.66 to 79.72 a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index climbed 14 points to close at 20,612. Well, it appears home prices and sales are on the rise in the GTA. The Toronto Regional Real Estate Board expects the average selling price of a home to reach $1.14 million this year. That's up from current levels, but still 4% lower than last year. The forecast is a reflection of recent Ipsos polling, suggesting more buyers are likely to wade into the housing market in the months ahead, but still grappling with higher mortgage and interest rates. Many were surprised when Pascal Siakam didn't get picked for this year's All-Star Game, but he's going to Salt Lake City after all. The Raptors forward has been named as an injury replacement along with two other players. They'll fill in for a trio of players who can't make it to the February 19th game. It's the second All-Star selection for Siakam. Sends it to Achua. There's that three. Got it. Here on this Wednesday night. Meanwhile, the Raptors host the Utah Jazz tonight. They are coming off a win against the Spurs on Wednesday. They also just acquired center, center Jakob Pertl from the San Antonio Spurs. Pertl is listed as questionable for tonight's game. Jordano again, throws it in front, scores! 
And the Leafs back in action after a week off. Visiting Columbus tonight is the first of two back-to-back -back games against the Blue Jackets. Toronto hasn't played since February 1st before the All-Star break. Just ahead, the Queen coin craze. Collectors line up to get their hands on the toonie with the black band and how you can get one for yourself. Tonight, the U.S. shoots down an unidentified object heading into Canada. Posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. A new breach after the takedown of a suspected spy balloon from China. That's later on CTV National News. I'm Zarad Allman. Coming up, a Toronto police officer is facing charges in the death of a Brampton teen. And a superior court has sided with Metrolinx, giving them the green light to cut down historic trees at Osgoode Hall tonight at 1130. It's a must-have for many Canadian coin collectors, a unique new toonie that commemorates the late queen. Today, hundreds lined up in Richmond Hill for their chance to get their hands on it. CTV Scott Lightfoot has more. They started lining up in Richmond Hill before the doors had even opened. I was a bit surprised at that. I didn't think the line would be quite this big. Hundreds waited patiently outside throughout the morning, not for a giveaway, but rather an exchange. There's a $2 toonie that the Mint's uh, providing uh, dollar for dollar. The prized item today, a toonie. Everybody's been asking about this coin. There's been so much interest in it, almost impossible to find in the banking system. The $2 coin was released by the Royal Canadian Mint late last year in honour of the late Queen Elizabeth. It features a black outer ring instead of the traditional silver colour, reminiscent, the Mint says, of a mourning armband. It's special, like, with the black Around, like yeah. like around like it's different from the original one pretty cool actually very unique i actually do like the toonie a lot and so because it has the black and the gold i thought it was really cool and so even more special in memory of queen elizabeth with a limit of two toonies each all morning people swapped four dollars for four dollars canadian coin and currency also offered a twenty dollar bag with various denominations of commemorative canadian coins there's a lot of the Queen coins that you can order online, but you can see them. You can see them live there. They got them displayed. The Mint says nearly five million of the black ring tunies will enter circulation. Canadian coin and currency will offer more for exchange tomorrow, and expects another long line of interested people. I knew that there'd be interest in it, but yeah, I think we've had about 500 people here this morning so far, and that's in the first 90 minutes. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News, Richmond Hill. I wouldn't mind getting one of those. Yeah, they're cool. Kind of a cool thing. Uh, you know what else is quite nice and cool is mm -hmm. the amazing sunshine we're going to have this weekend. I think we all feel like we would like a decent stretch. And we're going to get one. It looks that way anyway right now, so I'm happy to report that. Let's take you through uh, one more look at the satellite and radar before we get to that weekend forecast. Depending on where you're joining us from, yeah, maybe a couple of wet flurries or uh, so even some ice pellets reported in some areas, but this isn't amounting to a whole lot. It's just causing a little bit of a visual. Waking up to tomorrow morning. It's going to feel chilly if you're an early riser, especially with those winds still breezy and uh, the temperature is gradually going to climb to a daytime high of two degrees, but we will have glorious sunshine in the afternoon. Sunday looks mainly sunny too, with a few exceptions for the North GTA and then the rest of the week is mild. Check out Wednesday's daytime high. Michelle and Zoraida. 10 degrees in February. Wonderful. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us. Be sure to join John Venevala Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast with Zoraida at 1130. 
And in the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. We'll see you at 11.30.